0: Welcome to another episode of the American Truck Driver Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Polk. This is episode 52, The High Cost of Not Keeping Score. This is a special episode where Larry sat down to have a uh, conversation with a fellow Landstar BCO, Steve Wheeler. Steve has a lot of experience as a bookkeeper and accountant. And I was on the road that night, so these guys sat down over Skype and had a good conversation, and we're going to present that conversation here for you. I'll be back at the end of their chat to close out the show. Steve Wheeler, welcome, Steve.
1: Uh, thank you, Larry. I uh, appreciate you having having me here tonight. Enjoy your podcast.
2: Well, Steve, take a minute and just tell us a little bit about your background, how you went from an accounting background to driving a truck, and just give us a little Brief introduction as to how that all happened.
1: Uh, yes, uh, I've always done accounting myself since I got out of the accounting business. I actually have spent a little time as a, as a cost accountant at a, uh, a major uh, engine builder. And uh, back in 1981, there was a really bad recession and uh, I got laid off. I was the newest guy in there and I got laid off. A lot of people did during that recession. I went to two months of the truck driving school <laughs> at that point. And i tell you what, uh, I would have uh, been bored to death. I love numbers. I love accounting. I love helping people with accounting. But I would have been bored to death all my life in a cubicle. Uh, and hopefully I would have not have stayed in that cubicle. But uh, I would have been bored to death. And actually in trucking, I have, I, I feel like I've had a pretty charmed life. I've never had a bad job every job I ever had I only left when they went out of business and trucking companies will do that uh, I was a teamster uh, two teamster companies for the first uh, 19 years that I was uh, driving and uh, at that point uh, once I was locked in with a with a pension or uh, thought I was <laughs> They're now broke uh, But uh, once I once I was locked in with that I was able to move on uh and and at that point when i when when i could see that they were getting ready to go out of business and uh then i went in 2001 i went with uh jevic out of the northeast they did uh, less than truck load uh you deliver off the truck uh you you could make lots of money with them because if you were efficient you could do very well i went with them for a few years uh and then new century uh went with them for a number of years uh and then they went out of business in 2014. And at that point, I had been putting my business plan together to come to Landstar. I was planning on coming to Landstar the next spring anyhow. They went out in June of 2014. Uh, I took nine weeks to find the money truck. I found me uh, the Kevin Rutherford money truck, the 2000 Volvo with the Series 60 engine and 370 gears. And... Uh, Found it for $10,000, and I haven't looked back. I've put 600,000 miles on it here at Landstar in five years. I've been running mostly dedicated freight, but I run dedicated freight with four different agents. I don't put all of my eggs in one basket. and uh, So I, I, I run the same loads quite often. I've got one load I've carried 170 times from Wisconsin to the coast of North Carolina where I live uh so that's my home load every week and i i do that i've got a load i carry up to allentown every sunday i start my week then i'm and i'm home by thursday night so i'm home three nights a week so i feel like i've had a charm life i've never had a bad job i had a couple of union jobs a couple of great better paying uh non-union jobs uh you know jevic new century i'd go out with 19 20 stops and uh, you could make a lot of money if you could get freight off quick, and I could get freight off quick. I could, I could get 15 or 20 stops off in Miami on a Monday. And so I was, you know, if you were efficient, you could make a lot of money with those companies. So I really wasn't looking to go out on my own until uh, you know, until I really started studying what Kevin was teaching about business practices in trucking. And, uh, and uh, once I put a plan together, you know, I decided uh, that that's that's what was gonna gonna work for us and it has worked beautifully i I mean I would never look back. I just wish now I'd come to Landstar ten years earlier
2: so let me stop you for a second. so you spent ten thousand dollars bought a truck and you're making money with that ten thousand dollar truck when everybody in the industry says you can't do that and that, is that what I'm hearing from you?
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah no problems at all I mean yeah hey you got you got repairs to make. Uh, but j- until just recently, ju- actually about a month ago, I had my first, it really wasn't a service failure. I called the agent the day before and he put the load back on the board, but I, the first out of five years, it was the first time I've had to not take a load that I was committed to and, or not finish the load. That was uh, two weeks ago and it was a couple of sensors that were out. I tried everything I could do on the weekend to fix it. I called him a day early uh, before he was before it was to be picked up and he had it covered and so I, you know, I put it in the shop that got it done on Monday and made it I dead headed to my next customer <laughs> so uh.
2: So you obviously from an accounting background understood the importance of numbers. Obviously that's reflected into your decision to buy that truck and go into business with that truck. You know, these are the kinds of things that we're trying to teach here and we're trying to um, let people know that that this is possible. You don't have to go into debt. You don't have to spend one hundred and fifty thousand dollars on a truck to go into business. So let's talk about that, because let's just assume now that we've got a, a uh, one of our listeners is, is, is one out, went out and bought a truck. And, and now now they're in business. OK, so uh, from an accounting standpoint and, and again tonight, we're going to all our, our discussion is going to be based around bookkeeping, accounting and what I call keeping score and the, and the importance of that. So from from a bookkeeping or accounting perspective, once you've got the truck and once you're leased on to a carrier and, and you're, you're ready to start hauling freight, Stephen, your opinion, what's the next thing, or maybe you probably should have done it before you bought the truck, but probably many, many, many people don't. But now that you realize that you're not now just a driver, but you're a business owner, let's talk about some of the decisions that, that you need to have made or be making at this point in time. And one of the first ones that comes to me is, you know, should that person remain a sole proprietor? Should they become an LLC? Uh, you know, should they do a, a subchapter S election? Uh, give me just a little bit of, 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 your insight on that decision and, and, and what would go into making that decision?
1: I haven't seen anyone yet, uh, that needs to go directly to an S Corp. They need to get a year, maybe even two under their belt. I actually got two under my belt before I did an S Corp because there's a couple of reasons. Most people are going to spend more than 10,000 on their truck. Uh, Usually their first year, whatever profit, extra profit they've got, they can wipe it out with depreciation the first year as a sole proprietor. Uh, The second, and third year, you know, if they're making a lot of money, they need to consider moving to an S Corp. Uh, Because S Corp, you can pay yourself a reasonable salary and a reasonable salary is, you know, 40 cent a mile on average. So maybe 40 to 50 thousand dollars as your salary. You pay the self-employment tax on on that amount when you're S-Corp because you're doing payroll. I do payroll now. I pay my Social Security, my Medicare tax, my federal state withholding, and then my corporation, Liberty Transport Services, they match my Social Security and they match my Medicare and they pay my federal unemployment and North Carolina unemployment. Taxes that they take care of that, but where it saves you so much after you you are making at least sixty to seventy thousand dollars net money as a sole proprietor to go to an S corp is you can give yourself that smaller salary and then the amounts above that. So let's say it's a let's say you I, I pay myself fifty four thousand a year. The amounts above fifty-four thousand that are profit are only taxed as a as, under federal tax and state tax. There is no social security and no Medicare tax on that. But like last year, I was in the hundred and thirty thousand dollar total range. Uh, I paid myself fifty-four thousand. I paid my I reimbursed myself uh, sixteen thousand uh, per diem, and so I actually paid other tax on about sixty three thousand dollars last year now i did a variety of a couple other things with some 401k and and put more money away into retirement and and sheltered a portion of that too but but you're able to once you're making a certain amount of money net money uh you can save quite a bit of tax so i saved about ninety six hundred dollars in taxes on that extra sixty three thousand dollars
2: okay so there now there's the key so this decision, and again, we're going to reduce this down to the basic, you know, the, the basic concepts here. So the decision between being a sole proprietor and becoming an a, a corporation or, 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 or becoming an S-corp is, is that the, the the difference is that the advantage would be that when you become an S-corp and, and that and the um, sort of the, the 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 threshold there is around sixty to seventy thousand dollars of net profit once you exceed that. And I'll explain why that is why that's the case. But once you are making that kind of money, it's to your advantage to become an S Corp because there is a tax savings at that point in time. And there and, and, and that is the advantage. Is that what you're saying, Steve?
1: Yes, that's the that's the biggest advantage. Uh yeah you know, I think we've all heard Kevin say uh, talk about it you know a lot of people say well I want to incorporate so I can have uh, you know have limited liability so I can have uh, protection if something happens uh, that's not gonna really help you it's all about net profit and what the tax you're gonna save on it uh, because yeah we're all driving the truck you know I've got 31 years of safe driving I don't plan on hitting anybody but if I hit somebody even though I've got an S corp and I got an LLC, uh, they're coming after me, and they're coming. Well, the main gonna come after Landstar because they have the deep pockets to star on the side of the trailer. So, sure. yeah, you know, we all have to be safe. But, but it, the only reason to S corp and LLC is to is to save taxes. It does save you quite a bit.
2: Okay, so if if and, and we got a lot of company drivers out here, so they realize that um, right now. When when they get their paycheck, um, their social security and their Medicare, which I believe—if correct me—that is that not seven point six five percent of their of their uh, of their gross pay? Is that the number?
1: Yes, that's the that's the total. Uh, as, as uh, uh one point four five and six point two, so a seven point six five total. One point four five percent right. Medicare and 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 uh, 5 point, uh, 6.2 of uh, of social security.
2: So and the employer matches that because the total tax is actually uh, 15.3% altogether. The employee responsible for half of it, the employer matches it with the other 7.65. So what you're saying is that when you're self-employed and you, your income, your, your net income exceeds $60,000. And I'm going to explain the reason why that number is important in a minute. But you're saving then, that other 7.65% that your, your employer would have paid, but now you're paying it yourself in self-employment tax um, because of the fact that you know, you're self-employed. And if you um, uh, become an S-corp and you pay yourself a reasonable salary, and, and we'll discuss that, that, that term as well, uh, you only have to pay the, the 765 the payroll tax, on your salary. You don't have to pay it on the profit or the dividend that you take not in payroll. Would that be accurate?
1: Yes, that's correct. You only pay federal and state tax on, on that. You don't pay the 15.3%, and that's the big savings, right. uh, You know that and our per diem reimbursement that we can right. do.
2: Now, when you become a corporation, that's a whole different um, that's, that's a whole different, uh, cost because now you have to file an individual tax return. And then because the corporation actually becomes a, 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 a um, a, a person in the eyes of the IRS and the government, uh, you know, th- there's another tax return that's due on that corporation. And that tax return is not inexpensive to prepare. Is that correct?
1: Uh, yeah, most people are most people are paying somewhere around uh, six hundred to a thousand dollars for their, for both of their taxes to be done. Uh, uh, but that it costs a lot more to do that than it does the individual return and, and uh, that one's, that one's due a, a month before the the 1040 individual uh, uh, income tax return is due. So you, you have your corporate out of the way and then you get the figure off of your corporate that just goes right in onto your personal return and that's the taxable part that becomes for federal or state, uh, federal or state, uh, uh tax, you know, to be, to be taxed for that. So, uh, but, uh, yeah, that did not get in try to get into the weeds too much, but that's, that, that is it though. Yes.
2: So getting back to the 60 to $70,000 number we talked about, the reason why that number is the threshold is because the cost of setting up the corporation, the cost of maintaining the corporation, primarily through payroll expenses and the additional tax preparer fees for that other corporate return, the cost would exceed the savings of tax if you're making less than sixty to sixty-five, maybe seventy thousand dollars a year. Uh, would that be an accurate statement?
1: Uh, yes, that, that is that's exactly right. And uh, and really, basically what you're looking at, most states, North Carolina and uh, I know New York, I I actually helped someone in New York uh, that's done this. It's about two hundred. You have a two hundred dollar fee every year to pay the secretary of state to keep things going. Right. Uh, right. You also you also have uh, uh, you also like I say you have the, the the what it costs to do the return and you have you know, whatever your payroll is. Now, you can. You, there there are people that uh, that will do the payroll themselves they'll go get QuickBooks you can or, or you can do it also through uh, Intuit, it uh, and you can set up and do your own payroll that way I just went with uh, with a with a payroll firm uh, I've got a flat rate and uh, if I add trucks I could add up to five drivers and not pay any more for my payroll so uh, I just let them do it it runs me it runs me around $75 a month. So you figure there, that's almost a thousand dollars a year, a couple of hundred for your, your state, uh, you know, for your state uh, fee every year. And then say, even if it is a thousand dollars for your, uh, your tax return, I do my own for free. Uh, but that's because I have, you know, I have, I have that, I have that skill to be able to do that, but that's about $2,000 that you would end up paying out. So using my scenario from last year, uh, I, I would I saved about 9600 uh, and then I paid like I say I paid paychecks about 900 I paid 200 to the state of North Carolina. So I really netted about $8,500 in uh, tax savings and uh, and in and, and paid pay those other those other two items payroll the pay the uh, payroll company and the uh, and for the for the state fee but uh, but yeah, that's uh, that and that's like I say most people um you know, once you get over sixty to $70,000, uh, it's basically for every $10,000, you're going to save $1,500. Uh, every $10,000 of income above that, you're going to save 1500 in taxes.
2: Okay. So now we've kind of decided that we're going to be, you know, for all intents and purposes, we're going to be a sole proprietor for at least the first year, maybe two, depending on how profitable we are. And then we're going to become, uh, you know, some type of a corporation, whether it be a sole proprietor operating as an S-Corp, I guess, or an LLC operating as an S-Corp. And, and uh, again, we don't have to get too, too much into that right now. Uh, the, the, the primary thing is that once you become a corporation, you must have payroll. That's no longer an option. So you've got the payroll expense. You've got the you – know, the, the, and, and, and like you say, today – uh, I mean, uh probably most drivers are, are are listeners to Sirius XM. There's companies on there that advertise all the time, payroll for, you know, little or nothing. So it almost doesn't make sense to do it yourself when, you know, these firms will do it for, you know, for hardly any money at all. And 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 two, from my experience, and you correct me if I'm wrong here, the biggest hassle with the payroll is not so much the weekly payroll, it's the quarterly reports, you know, that you have to do and and uh, those have to be filed timely and you know, so when you become a corporation, you know, you um, you know, we were talking about protections a while ago. And, and uh, you know, I've had this discussion many, many, many times that, you know, that this protection thing is kind of a kind of a uh, it's a myth to begin with. But <clears throat> assuming that you were afforded some protections by being a corporation, those protections only exist in, in as if you if you conduct yourself as a corporation and conducting yourself as a corporation includes having a board of directors, having meetings, you know, keeping minutes from those meetings, uh, you know, doing things that corporations do. And if you fail to do that, then you also fail to get the protections that come from it. So in the in the term for that in the legal world is called piercing the corporate veil. And all they have to do is prove that you didn't have an annual report last year and no long, you're no longer acting as a corporation, so you don't get the protections. So uh, the benefit, like you said, it's simply the tax savings from not having to pay payroll tax on dividends is really what we're talking about here. So assuming we've made that decision now, what is the, what, what, what does heaven bookkeeping do for me as a driver? I mean, what, why do I need to worry about that? I mean, what, what, I mean, as long as I get my, what if I just take all my stuff and throw it in a box and take it to you as my tax preparer in March and say, okay, Steve, here's my stuff, you know, do my tax return and I'm going back to work, you know, so, talk me through why that's not a good idea, and and, and what what's the advantage of, of 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 keeping books?
1: Well, the biggest advantage is first off, you know exactly what your business is doing all the time. Uh, you know, even people that do collect all of their receipts, and most people end up losing some because they just have them laying around in the truck. Uh, a lot of them now are on that onion paper, and uh, if you get, let it sit in the sun a day, you, you lose all the ink on it. You know, you, so there are lots of ways that you can hurt yourself by not taking care of the receipts. But even if you take care of all the receipts, you put them in an envelope. And let, let's say the biggest company out there, ATBS, that does probably 15,000 uh, uh, tax returns and 15,000 uh, uh, clients that they do bookkeeping for, uh, you know, if they get, even if you send it to them, they are entering all of that information into a program. And if you've got a pretty good guy there, he may be sending your report every month and in calling you and going over it with you. Uh, that, but it's just like any big organization. I hear people all the time saying, well, my guy never sends them to me and I, you know, I don't get them. And you have people like that. I have other friends I have that are with ATBS or with a big, big group like that that they get good service from it and it's fine so you got some like that but if you're doing it yourself you are intimately knowing all of your numbers and and uh, you kind of know where I'm going with this is that I as an accountant there's the one program that is so easy and cheap to use is uh, the one that Kevin Rutherford has on called profit gauges because it's all online uh, you can, you, like I say, you can uh, once a month put your expenses in and your four or five settlements in. takes about 30 to 40 minutes a month to do, do your accounting, and you have all the reports. You have a business report and a profit and loss. And when you get to the end of the year, you click tax report, and then they can e- uh, the program will email it to your tax preparer your tax preparer gets a report that he doesn't have to do anything but cut and paste right into the IRS form, Schedule C if you're a sole proprietor, or 1120S if you're an S Corp, and it, it puts everything right where it needs to be in the into the program, and then they have your tax return done in no time. So, uh, I, I mean, even accountants that are what I call professional accountants that work all the time, they love getting the reports from profit gauges to tax report. But the biggest key is, is that you, as an owner of the business, are knowing what's going into it because you're putting those receipts in. Uh, and you're doing that, like say, once a month. Uh, I think they're gonna come out with an app where you can just take a picture of your receipt and it'll automatically go where it's supposed to into the program. That'll be even easier. But uh, I think people need to be doing it themselves. Just sending it off to somebody else even if you're doing it every month is not the best way. But if, most people will put it, they'll have a, uh, a Walmart bag in their truck and they'll just put everything in there. And like you said, they'll go dump it in March on their tax preparer's desk. And first thing he's going to do is say, well, let's go ahead and file an extension because I will not have this done by April 15th. Uh, and so Uh, To start with, you're probably going to get your return done sometime in the summer, if if you're lucky, when he catches up. Because it takes a lot of time to go through and segregate each different month and each different receipt and what categories they go into. Uh, And if you do it with a program like Profit Gauges, you have have 19 different categories and you have 19 different places to put your receipts. And it makes it a lot easier. I I'm not trying to be an ad for them. It's just so easy. Uh, you know, it, it, it's so easy. And for the money, I mean, it's well worth it. But the, the big thing is, is you know what's going on in your business uh, with your numbers.
2: Well, you hear people all the time say, you know, it's important that you know your numbers. You've heard this term, know your numbers. So let's, let's talk about that for just a second. So we, you, you've described for us that there's actually a couple of ways of, of doing bookkeeping. You know, you can you can do the hoarding method where you just Keep all your receipts, hopefully, uh, and and then you've got all your settlements. And of course, most people uh, have a year-end settlement <clears throat> that they can use, and uh, so they've got their income, they've got their receipts, so their accountant can figure out at one at some point in time at the end of the year what their uh, w- you know what their profit or loss was. And so, so the purpose of bookkeeping is to is to find out whether your your business made a profit or made a loss so you can report that to the IRS and pay your tax accordingly. But beyond that, probably the, the bigger value of keeping the numbers, knowing your numbers, keeping score, is that it gives you a, 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 a checklist. It's, it's like kind of going to the doctor and getting a physical on your business because now you know at any given time, whenever you do the input, uh, what your profitability or your loss is at that moment in time. Um, now, I I do my own accounting and I do my input every week because we get I get settled every week and I do payroll every week and I do fuel card you know uh, reconciliation every week. So by the end of every week, I have a current PL and uh, for my business at, 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 at actually at any moment, but it, it's current uh, at the end of the week. So, and and what I'm getting at here is that I can then use those numbers to analyze uh, my business. And if I have problems, let's say that, and we, we talked last time a lot about fuel and the cost of fuel. But if I see that my fuel costs are ticking up, uh, I know it as soon as I see that most recent profit loss statement. Uh, if If I were doing my, if I were using the hoarding method where I was sending all my stuff at the end of the year, I wouldn't know about that problem, you know, till for months after the problem actually actually existed. And the the ability to make corrective action uh, is basically wasted at that point in time. So so the value besides the the, the tax, you know, requirements are that it gives you a a scorecard on how your business is doing. and, And also, if you are trying to take corrective actions, you can actually sit there and watch your strategies either work or not work, um, because in business, you know, if you, there's only there's only two ways to improve business, and that's to improve revenue or decrease costs. I mean, there's only two ways of doing that. But the only way to track that is to be able to look at your numbers and know what 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 you, which way you're doing, if either or both. Um, so uh, I'm I'm like you. My, I advocate that not only do you do it yourself. But you do it on a regular basis. Now, I know a lot of people will do it once a month, and, and that's that's okay. I mean, there's no, you know, I can't do it that way because of the number of trucks I got. I have to be, I have to have my hand, my finger on the pulse all the time. Uh, but if I were a one-truck operation, I'd probably be okay knowing that my, at the end of each month what my numbers are and, and then going, uh, you know, looking at that and, and trying to figure out if, if everything is going as expected. Uh, or not. The other thing is, we all do this for the money. I mean, and there's nobody out here doing this because they just love doing it. And if they weren't making any money, they'd still be doing it. Well, the only way you know if you're making any money is by looking at your profit and loss statement. You know, uh, you can't go by how much money you got in the bank. You can't go by how much money you got in your pocket, uh, because those numbers aren't necessarily accurate. Because you know, there there are. Uh, there are, there are. You, you still owe taxes. You still got, you know, maintenance accounts. You might have, you might have receivables or payables that still haven't been paid. So the only way to really know is to is to have that statement. So the the lesson we're trying to to impart on this is that number one, it's important that you enter it yourself because you know what those numbers mean, and you 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 will realize quickly the more that you have uh, hands on input. All the numbers start meaning something to you, you know, um, and as opposed to somebody over in another state that's just sitting there doing data input and the numbers mean nothing to that person. Um, so talk a little bit about the value then of, of having these numbers. And when you're making, you know, and, uh, another thing is, you know, and, and we're talking about how to survive in a down market. How do you know whether or not you can take a load? That pays a dollar ninety-five a mile. How do you know if you can take that load and make any money or not if you don't know your numbers, Steve?
1: No, you can't. That's that's the thing. You can't. You have to know your numbers. You have to know. You have to. You have to have, and you have to have a plan together too. I, you know, uh, I know a lot of guys are just running off the load boards. Uh, and and when they're running off the load boards, they're probably sitting a lot because a lot of the rates on the load board sometimes can be a little low. Uh, they got to have a plan but the only way to make a plan is to know your numbers you know every expense that you got you know you're at six cent a mile for for tolls if you're running the northeast in the midwest or whatever you know that you're at 36 cent a mile on your fuel or 19 cent a mile on your maintenance you know those numbers intimately and you know you can you're able then to say Here's I, here's what I've got to have. I've got to have this much. But you know what? If I need to get uh, 400 500 miles over to that better-paying load, I can I can take this load to get on over there. Otherwise, I'm going to be deadheading and spending money anyhow. So, uh, so most but most people though they're 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 not even attuned to the numbers to know what their what their cost per mile is for their fuel. Most people don't know what their what they're uh, you, you when you ask somebody, what what are you grossing every month? And they, you know, if they're on a mileage contract, they say, well, I'm getting a dollar 15 a mile plus fuel searcher. That doesn't tell you anything. It's all miles on your truck. You have to you when you're when you're keeping scores, we're talking about, you have to keep all the score. And and we're in our industry. We pretty much are or our scores are delineated by by how many miles we run. Uh, You know, you need to know that you need to know how your expenses are as a percentage of your of your of your revenue So, I mean there there are many different ways you need to do that But yeah, you've got to have those numbers then you can make better decisions And, and a lot of times You know with me it's always been about having some dedicated freight I like to run the same things over and over again, but there are times I've looked at something and say You know what that's running me extra miles it pays pretty well but then i make little adjustments to to my dedicated route sometime just so i can have a little less miles and come out with the same or better profit you know the it's not we're not out here to run 4000 miles a week you can make a lot of money if you did that but uh but i'm out here to run as few miles as i can but keep myself busy and the numbers will tell you what you, whether you, what you're doing is right or working or not. And if it isn't, then you start looking at another plan. you got to have a plan though of some kind.
2: Well, a few months back, I posted a blog on some of the Landstar groups, and it was, it was a little controversial. But my point was this. You can buy a truck, you can go into business, and it doesn't automatically, it's not a given that you're going to make it and be successful with running that truck and being in business. And I, I called it something like, I'm sorry, but everybody won't get a trophy. And uh, what the point I was trying to make in that article was that if you're not keeping score, if you don't know these things you just talked about, if you don't know what it costs you to run, if you don't, you don't know what it costs you for fuel, how do you come up with a business plan? How do you have a strategy for operating on a daily basis if you're running blind. And so the point I was making in this was that a lot of young guys now, you know, they, they played sports where they didn't keep score. You know, everybody that, that went out for Little League got a trophy, you know, so it didn't matter what you did. You could be the best athlete, the worst athlete, you know, whatever. Everybody got the same thing. Business is not like that. There is, you know, there there, there, there are winners and losers in business. It's a competition by design. And if you think you're just going to buy a truck and show up out here and be successful, I got bad news for you. So if you're not keeping score, if you don't know your numbers, if you don't have any idea, you know, what it takes, and you get on the Internet and you see all these people going, you know, say no to cheap freight, you know, I I, I have no idea what that means. But if if you don't know what, you know, what your costs are, uh, all all freight looks cheap. You know, I mean, it, it doesn't it, You you have to have these. You have to have this data in order to make uh, decisions in business. You know, the thing that kills me about this industry is that it's so easy to become an owner-operator. You know, anybody can do it if they fog a mirror. You know, if you've got a decent driving record, you have zero credit and zero cash, you can go sign a lease purchase, and tomorrow you're an owner-operator, and now you're the one that's having to make these decisions. You have no idea where to get the numbers. So that's what we're trying to do here is to express to you the importance of knowing these numbers. And the numbers are available to you. You just have to come up with a way of recording them. And, Steve, you're, you're an accountant. I mean, a bookkeeper, an accountant. You're really basically a historian. All you're doing is keeping track of what happened and creating data so that you can go back and look at that data and analyze it. You know, a lot of valuable reports come from this data. And the one we're we're going to talk about the most, and you'll probably hear hear the most about, is called a profit and loss statement. And typically, most businesses run that at the end of every month, like you talked about how you run your business. After you input all of your revenue and you input all of your receipts for your expenses, then there is a number there that's left over. And it's either a positive number or a negative number, and that's called a profit or a loss a lot of people you've heard this term the bottom line well the bottom line comes from that 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 statement that profit and loss statement the bottom line is what that number is whether it's red or black or, or negative or positive so without having this profit and loss and every business in the country in the world generates a profit and loss i don't care how big or how small they are that's the that that tells you whether or not you're running a business that is successful or meeting your objectives or you're not. And if you're not, what do we have to do to make it that way? But if you don't have the profit and loss statement, Steve, how do you possibly know whether or not you're meeting those objectives?
1: You have no clue then. That's the thing. You have no clue then. And most people don't. I mean, this is a, this, unfortunate. It's a 90 to 95% uh, problem in our industry that people don't know you can't make quick moves the only thing like last year everybody said oh I'm just gonna get a big rate and I'll be great I'll be fine I'll be fine they were fine until the rates weren't that good and then they still they had no clue what was happening to their bid they didn't know what their cost was last year Uh, if they'd known what their cost was was last year they would be able to make some some moves and maybe maybe gotten into a dedicated uh, lane or something when when those spot market rates that were just fantastic uh... went away you know, and that was that was the key But i've always said that being consistent is better than being being hitting home runs and being consistent hitting singles and doubles all day long all week long if you're doing that all the time and you're keeping freight on your trailer because you've got a plan then you're gonna make money all along. It may not be quite as much money this year as it was last year, but it will be it will be much better than the folks that don't have that plan and they're just they're looking at the rates and saying, I'm not gonna pull it at that that amount. Well then they sit a day and once you set a day, your your fixed costs keep going. Your insurance, if you got a truck payment, that percentage of the truck payment, that keeps going that day. Uh, you're sitting there, but every all those fixed costs are sitting there. You've got to make even more the next day to show a profit. And what people don't realize is they'll sit there two or three days, then they'll deadhead out of an area. And uh, I mean, I, I it's it's sad. It saddens me because I know that you can you can keep freight on your trailer every day. You just got to have a plan to do it. You got to build great relationships. And, and that's the biggest thing. Most people don't want to build the relationships. They just want to call on a load, get it and go, and then end it, uh, you know, get through with the load and and not make any other calls. I mean, every agent I've ever talked to here, I, I was respectful with them. Even if they, you know, we, we hear about the cut and paste agents. You know what? If I needed that load, that short load that went from Indy to Milwaukee and they gave me that load, I'd call them back and thank them for it. I try to make a contact with them that, you know, sometimes I can give that agent a call and say, Hey, I'm here. And I need to get to Milwaukee. can you know, can you look on the big board? Cause I know y'all, y'all will, uh, y'all go out on the uh, DAT and the truckstop.com boards. Can you get on their board and take a look and see if you see anything? Sometimes I, they find me something I may have had a load to cancel. And so building those relationships, you, you can make those phone calls if you, if you'll do that, You'll always keep freight on your trailer. The consistency is more important to me than the hitting the home runs that people want to do. But the people, nobody knows their numbers. So hit, you know, whether you're whether you're hitting home runs or consistent, you still got to know your numbers. You're gonna be a lot more cons. If you're consistent, your numbers are gonna be a lot better overall. Uh, I mentor several people here. I've taught that to them. And they, they have a plan. They, I I like them to, you know, have a chance to get home. So they usually get home a couple of days a week. But those other five days, they've got freight on their trailer every day. And it's, uh, and that's, that's the way they stay consistent. And I'm also, I'm dogging them about making sure they know their numbers. Uh, and most of them do their own accounting, but there's a couple that don't, but, uh, I tell them you, you get those reports every month from ATBS and you go over them. And if you need to go over them with me, call me and I'll go over them with you, you know, but, uh, you've got to know those numbers.
2: Well, you talked a lot of strategies there. You, you really, you, you said a lot of things. And I think the overriding, overriding, uh, theme there is it's slow and steady wins the race. Uh, you don't have to make it all in big, uh, in, in big increments keeping moving keeping uh um, making a little bits better than making nothing a day set as a day lost forever you can't ever get it back uh and then especially if you sit two or three days and then decide to head out well now you've lost those three days and now you're still deadheading out so that's kind of a you know and, and that's a, that's just a very hard-headed way of looking at things but unfortunately we have drivers that are that way But we're trying to teach you that it's all about the numbers. And and having the numbers gives you the, the, the ability to make the decisions based on facts, not on feeling. It sounds real good to say, oh, say no to cheap freight. That sounds very macho and sounds like you're being part of something. You know, the bottom line is the data doesn't support that. The data says it's better to take a load and keep moving. Even if you just cover your fuel costs, it makes more sense. Than you just sit there and wait for a load that might show up tomorrow, might not show up, and by the way, in the meantime, you still lost the day. Um, so I think that's what you're what you're saying. Um, you you mentioned so, some other things there that that I I want to visit, and, and and that is that you know we we've we're, we're, again we're talking about how to control costs, how to be able to operate in in, in any environment. Um, now you and I both came in this business back when. You know uh, rates. I mean, I, I started in you know 08 and 09 when the recession was, you know, was horrible, and and so I built my business uh, in a tough time, and so you know when things got better, I just benefited from it. I didn't expect that that was going to be the norm. You know, people that started the guy into business last year because of the, I mean, all the success everybody was having those guys are tough right now because they don't realize that that's not normal. You know, that was a, a probably a once in a lifetime thing, probably never happened again. A a decision to buy a, a new truck last year was easier to make with the rates we had than making that decision this year with the rates where they are this year. So, um you know, just 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 to restate, you know, knowing the numbers is 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 one thing. Using the numbers to help you analyze your business and do the right thing is something else altogether. The whole purpose of this is to help minimize a risk, help identify the problems that you, that you might be having and then be able to form a strategy to correct those problems and you and you know whether or not that's working or not by whether or not the reports, the profit and loss statement are showing improvement or or not, you know, and and and, the, and that's that's the report card, that's the scorecard. We talked about whether or not it's better to do it yourself or not. Now, look, we're not trying to make accountants out of people. I mean, you got to go to school, you know, for four years. You've got to, you know, you, there, there's a lot of education to go into be an accountant, you know. And and I'm not one. Uh, I don't. I probably would ever never be able to be one. But I'm a very, I'm a damn good bookkeeper, and I got my skills because one along the way, I had a partner in one of my businesses that uh, that was a CPA and um before i met him i was that guy i was that guy that put all of my receipts in a box and took them to my tax preparer and said here you know and he hated me and it reflected <laughs> in the bill and the bill he gave me it also reflected how much he hated me okay uh then i had a partner and uh he totally turned me around and and just like the fuel mileage becomes a game this bookkeeping thing became a game with me. I mean, I, I'm like, wow, you know, look what we can do, you know. And so I, I took to it like, you know, you know, like uh, it just, it just was, uh, it was a challenge to me now uh, to be able to to come up with a strategy and then say, okay, is this working or is this not working? And of course, my background in business with, you know, with with, with doing with working in a lot of businesses that were in, that were in trouble, that was the only way you knew whether or not you were fixing this business or not was having those reports. Um, so, um, the profit loss, um, probably the most important, um, you know, report that we generate, um, Steve talk about, is there anything else that, that, uh, would be valuable you know, for for a, an owner operator just getting started. I mean, uh, to talk talk some more w- w- with me about about the importance of, of
1: of keeping the records and and the and, and being becoming a bookkeeper. That is like once you get to be an owner operator, you've got to do that. One thing that a lot of people probably need to hear, you know, they may not want to hear it, is to know when they're ready uh, to be an owner operator because of their personal financial sh- situation. A lot of people really need to look hard at their lives and make sure that they're not living above their means because then it makes it doubly hard out here when rates are a little bit low that the guy's got to make some money. He's got, he, you know, he's, he's got to make money. And what happens, unfortunately, people that are living above their means when you hit times like this, uh, they're living above their means. The rates aren't that great. The the first thing that doesn't get paid are the taxes, uh, and and if you don't pay the taxes, uh, you know you're going to be in trouble with the IRS for a long time. I mean, our industry, unfortunately, it leads the IRS in having default uh, have people in default not paying their taxes on time. Uh, a lot of it is because our industry is pervasive about hiring employees and paying them as independent contractors and and well, they're, don't
2: get, they're me, don't get me started on that <laughs> oh yeah
1: well and then but what they're doing is you know the, a lot of times those people don't understand they got to put away they don't have to put away what we would put away as being owner operators we got a lot of expenses we got we got fuel we got maintenance so about ten percent so all we have to put away as a sole proprietor and probably be pretty close on our taxes Let's uh, say that again. Got... Let's, let's yeah. say it
2: again because that's important. So yeah. what w- what you're saying is that if if you're if you're a um, a, a, a one truck one driver operation, right. and and your 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 gross revenue and and, and we're going we're using terms here that you know, might not be familiar to everybody, but in the accounting world there are there are these there are words that mean things, and 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 gross revenue simply means everything you make. Before anything is taken out of it, before any expenses come out, it's, it's, the, it's the total amount of money that you got paid by the carrier for the work that you did before anything came out. And what you're saying is that if that number, let's just say it was $10,000 on a particular settlement, if you put 10% or $1,000 of that away in a savings account, when it came time to pay your taxes, you'd be in very good shape. Isn't that what you just said?
1: Yes, it, it's really close. It's you know you know, you never know exactly till you get to the end of the year and exa- see exactly how much profit there is. Sure, sure. But but it, but you would you would fe- would but basically your self employment tax, your federal federal tax you would owe and state tax ten percent is usually pretty pretty close because most people that are sole proprietors are only they're going to only be able to keep about forty if they're really good they'll keep fifty percent of that of their revenue. Uh, but at 40% uh, and 40% is what they're keeping. Well, 10% is like 25% of that. Uh, so for, for them, they, you know, that's about what, you know, like I say, the, the guys that are 1099 employees and you probably have some people here listening that are driving maybe for BCO. We have BCO owners here that are paying on 1099. I don't like it. It's not legal. And I don't think it's ethical. I know you don't. And, uh, but, but, but there are some people that are doing it, and those people that are working for them need to be putting 25% away. Right. That's where that's where the IRS has such a, a uh, problem with our industry. People don't put the money away. They live off the gross, and even owner-operators, they live off the gross and don't put the 10% away. And then they don't have the money to pay the tax. And then the rates are down a little bit this year, so the first thing that's not getting paid is the tax. And you know it takes a long time to catch back up from that. Some people there are many, many people. I've run into many people I've run into people in my lives that were that in my life that was were company drivers that had not filed a tax return in fifteen years because they they were owner operator for four or five years and didn't do it, and they're scared to even file one after that. I mean that's they're having to look over their shoulder everywhere they're everywhere they're at. They're having to keep a a, a debit card from Walmart. To keep all their money on. I mean, they, you know, that's that's this horrible way to live, and yeah. um, so uh, so in our business, it unfortunately we're one of the worst businesses, uh, it, one we're one of the worst industries for IRS problems, and and people people have got to know that just take just if you just sent just take ten percent and put away, you know, pay it quarterly if you can. You you'll save a little bit. You'll, you'll have a little bit of penalty and and interest if you don't pay it quarterly. It's not a lot. But your tax preparer is probably not going to tell you. Their, their program is going to automatically uh, figure out whether you paid enough each quarter. And when you get your tax return, there's a little line down there that will say uh, interest and penalty somewhere in that tax return. And it will go in there. Uh, but, but if they just put it away and if they pay it quarterly, they don't have to worry about that. But the main thing is they put away 10%. They're not going to get in tax trouble.
2: Well, the reason our industry is the worst in that is because we're in an industry where the the threshold to become a business owner is nothing. Like we talked about before, you can go tomorrow and lease yourself a brand new truck with zero money down, zero credit and zero experience as a businessman. And you're in a business tomorrow. And if you're not if you're not ready for that, which Anybody that's in that situation is not ready for it. Then what makes what makes us think that they're going to pay their taxes? You know, I mean, they're, uh, it, 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 it the discipline is not there. That's why their credit is what it is, and they have no cash, is they don't have discipline to begin with. And so that that's why is that you know if, if you go start a McDonald's restaurant, it takes a lot of money down. You, you can't you can't go sign a lease for a McDonald's restaurant with no money down, no credit, no experience. Okay, but you can do that in our industry. So that's why our industry is so um, is 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 so bad about about defaulting on taxes. Um, let let's uh, let's back up and talk about a couple of things here. Um, you mentioned uh, doing it yourself versus uh, sending it off to have somebody else do it. Now, <clears throat> one advantage, and and I've got a way of overcoming this, but one advantage by using outside service is that you can uh, you can take advantage of what's called benchmarking where your numbers are compared to other people's that are in similar operations as yours, so that you can see that if your fuel cost is in line with what other uh, similar operations are. And, if, and, is, and, and each one of the line items on your profit and loss statement, it's, it's represented as a percentage of your gross revenue. And if those numbers are out of line, the benchmarking will illustrate that for you. And so you know that you've got something to work on because the rest of the people that you're being compared to are doing better than you or maybe you're doing better than them or whatever. Um, I still think that even if you're going to do it yourself, it's very possible for you to get in with, with a network of other people at your carrier or, 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 or people that you meet where you guys can share your information and benchmark with each other. Um, all the other industries I've ever been into, we had these little, uh, we called them 20 groups. And we would have 20 different businesses from outside your competition area where we would get together on a quarterly basis and compare our financials and our operations to see how we compare to each other for the whole purpose of comparing and benchmarking our operations against others similar to ours that but we're, we're not in our competition now in trucking I you mean know, I mean we don't I mean who cares about competition no one's going to corner the freight market so you don't have to really worry about being in the competition thing but there's nothing keeping 20 people from getting together and, and sharing their numbers and, and and saying okay you know how, how do I stack up against you guys? Uh, yeah. did, don't you see that in other industries as well, Steve?
1: Yeah, you do. You see, well, in most industries, every, they have an industry association, and you have all kinds of interaction with other people that are like-minded and have businesses like yours, like you said, not particularly in your hometown, but in your area, regional, uh, even state, statewide, and, and you, can, you can do that. And the benchmarks are usually, there's usually a, like a, a matrix of, of what you need to do in this industry, you know, to be, to be profitable. Uh, and, and in ours, it's not especially now, that is one, one big, big, uh, advantage that somebody as big as ATBS with 15,000 clients, they have really good data and they actually publish it out in, uh, publicly every year. I mean, uh, you know, this year we found that, 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 uh, owner operators that were, uh, leased to a carrier like we are at Landstar uh, averaged making about eight thousand dollars more than, than uh, single uh, single truck owners with their own authority this year. Now, part of it is single truck owners with their own authority may take more time off, uh, but they may be running off the load board. So, but last year was the best year ever and that was a, they were still eight thousand dollars behind people that were leased to a carrier. Uh, so a lot of people want more independence. I mean, we have, I think we got plenty of independence here where we're at, but, uh, closest thing to having your own authority without having, without having all the risks, all the back office risks that we don't have. Uh, so, uh, for me, I mean, that, that works, but yeah. Uh, but ATBS, they, they have some really good benchmarks and, uh, uh, and yeah, it, it, you know, if you are a client of them and, and I have, like I said, one of my mentees that's, that works, he has a really Good uh, staffer there at ATBS that calls him and goes over things with him every month. And I said, you know, hey, he's golden. You know, if you don't want to do it yourself, hey, have at it. He he sounds like he's you want to clone him. And and because not everybody that that does this any kind of work uh, in an office like that, you know, it's a twenty eighty rule. Twenty percent are going to do. They're going to go run through a brick wall to do it right. Their truck, whether they're truck drivers, accountants. Uh, or or garbage collectors, and the other eighty sometimes aren't. So. <laughs> uh, okay,
2: so so I've got my truck, I've got you know i I'm, I'm, I'm I've got some set up with with ATBS, or I'm or I'm, I've I've bought profit gauges, and I'm I'm going to track all of my receipts, and I'm going to track all my settlements and everything. Let, let's talk to some more some more simple basic things here. And I'm going to start out as a sole proprietor, you know, because that I don't want to deal with the corporation thing right now um, because that's the easiest thing to do. I don't know how much money I'm going to make yet. So, you know, I'm I'm just going to take a chance that I'm not going to lose the money on the on the excess uh, uh, payroll tax. Um, So here's what I do. I mean, yesterday I wasn't in business. Today I am. So I need to go to the bank and I need to open up a, a, a business checking account. Uh, I, I think, uh, because you, you don't want to have your money, you know, you don't want to mix your mo- you know, your, your business money with your personal money. Um, you want to treat your business like a business, you know, the truck is its own entity, you know, uh, it's not just a slush fund for your habits. In, in my opinion, you, you need to open up a two or three bank accounts. Okay. You, you need to have a, a general checking account where all of your revenue from your settlement flows in. Then, in my opinion, you need to have a savings account where you put that 10 percent you're talking about uh, immediately over in this other account so that it's not in your checking account where you can spend it. And you're saving that to pay your taxes with on a quarterly basis. So it's sort of a sort of a self-imposed discipline there. Get that money out of your checking account, getting it over in your savings account where it's, you know, at least you're not going to use your debit card and spend it. Uh, The other thing that I'm a strong advocate of, as you well know, is older trucks and older trucks require maintenance. And yeah. so we also recommend that you open up a maintenance account. And a maintenance account, again, is is a, is just a separate checking account with a debit card attached to it. Because a lot of times when you're doing maintenance, you're on the road somewhere, and that you know you, they they might not take a check. You you might have to pay them with a debit card. You know, and so and then what I do, and I think I heard you say nineteen cents a mile. We do we do fifteen cents per paid mile is what my number is fleet wide. So when I get my settlement on Wednesdays, we look at all the paid miles and I multiply that times uh, 15 cents and we move that money immediately into the maintenance account so that when we do have a problem or a breakdown or whatever, or a PM or whatever, the money's already there. You know, we, we don't have to scratch around, try to figure out how we're going to, how we're going to pay that. So if I were starting a brand new business and, and tell me if you agree with me or not, I would go to the bank and I would I would open up at least those three accounts. Now, we also because we do have payroll, we also have a payroll account, which we also maintain. But you wouldn't need that the first year if you're if you're being a sole proprietor. Do do you do you agree with that strategy?
1: Yes, correct. So many people say, oh, well, you're a sole proprietor. You're just putting all of your figures in and then you're paying tax at the end and some people don't I tell them yeah but you're also running a business when you're running a business you really need to keep things separate and you need to put yourself on a budget at home that you're not just taking all the money out and putting uh, all the money that from the business like you said as a slush fund and just spending it or having the spouse spend it or that kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, that's important. I mean, the the that is very important. You also have to get your uh, get an EIN because you have to pay your twenty two ninety heavy uh, use tax, uh, which is due l- later this week. <laughs> so, anybody hadn't done it, uh, eight thirty one is the last day you can pay it, uh, and that's five hundred and fifty dollars. But you have to have an EIN for that. Other than that, you wouldn't have to have an EIN for a sole proprietor. Uh, but you do have to have one. Uh, and they, if you get an S Corp, they will, if you already have one, they will assign you another EIN when you, when you're S Corp. So you don't have to, you don't have to worry about that. They will assign you one and you'll, everything will go under that number at that point. But, but yeah, keeping everything separate is important. And it's also, like you said, the discipline of putting the 10, put the money away in the savings account, the maintenance account. Um, you know, at Landstar, we have a, we have a an account here. It's, it's a voluntary escrow. Uh, I pack it full because they pay 2.65 percent interest, and I don't even get close to that at home. So I keep all I can in there. But I do keep money in savings accounts at home, with my uh, uh, my business, and also for on the personal side, also because, uh, like I say, we have we have we have plans real estate plans in the future so we have a real estate account we got some different different things but like i say having something having one for each different one it creates the discipline in your life and uh, there are many ways to do it but but people need to set that up when they start in business they don't need to just say well i'm just going to run on my checking account and let the money flow in and like you said flow out you don't know where it went you don't know uh who in the family spent it this weekend out of the out of the uh, family account or whatever. So, uh, so yeah, that is important.
2: Well, and then you can write yourself a check from that business account to your personal account uh, weekly or a month, however you want to do it. And, and, and since you're not doing payroll, that becomes your payroll, you know, uh, or that becomes your pay. Uh, yeah. and so, um, it, it's just a very clean way. Your accountant is going to love you if you do it that way because it's uh, it's a very clean way. Uh, To to run your business. And eventually, if you when you become an LLC, you have to do it that way because you cannot commingle funds, you know, legally as a corporation. So you're just training yourself to operate the way you're going to operate anyway. uh, in, in In a year or so down the road, you might as well teach yourself how to do it, how to do it right. And then, of course, if uh, if you um, you know if you if you, ha- if you if you have unexpected expenses, maybe it's a good thing for you to get a, get yourself a credit card. You're not going to be able to get a business credit, but you could just get a credit card in your personal name. But keep it just for business stuff, and that way you've got an easy way of reconciling that statement every month and knowing that everything on that credit card was used for business. And uh, because those are all things you're going to have to put. In your book, in your in your bookkeeping, and those are all expenses. Um, you're going to find out that running a business there's going to be some advantages uh, with expenses. Going to the store and buying pencils and paper and stuff. I mean, there's things that you're going to be able to deduct as a business expense. Uh, even the trip to go get that stuff, you know, becomes a business expense. And that can be kind of, kind of gets into the cat and mouse game there of what is a, an, a, a legitimate expense and what's not. And for the most part, that's going to be between you and your tax preparer. You know, uh, tax preparers have to sign your tax return just like you do. And if they don't feel very comfortable with what you're putting on there, they're not going to sign it. So uh, you have to kind of work with them on how aggressive or how conservative they want to be with some of your expenses. And so uh, when you're looking for a tax preparer, that's one of the things you're going to want to shop for is that, you know, what is your uh, tolerance level for, uh, you know, for gray area expenses, you know, uh, and and, or not. Because, again, it's it's, uh, there's no there's a lot of uh, black and white in the tax law, but there's a whole lot of gray and those grays are subject to interpretation. And so um, if and it doesn't really matter what you claim as long as it holds up an audit. And that's where the rubber meets the road. And that's where the tax preparer is going to say, well, you know, I can't defend that under audit. Therefore, I'm not going to let you put in the tax return. So, um, but you know, normal stuff, you know, things that are legitimate or anything you use in the the conducting of your business is a deduction. You know, if you're going to have a dog in the truck and call it a a burglar alarm, uh, that might not fly, you know. But, uh, you know, but if you do literally put an alarm system in your truck, that's going to be deducted, you know? Yeah. Um, so you just have to kind of not play the games and just, and, and understand that, you know, it, whoever's going to do your tax return is going to challenge, you know, some of the things that you do right there.
1: Yeah. They, they have bench, uh, the IRS has their own benchmarks for every category that we have on the, either the schedule C or the 10 1120S. Uh they have benchmarks. If they see you way out of sorts, on one of those items, they may question that alone. It may be a it may be a letter audit, it may be something simple, but then they'll they'll ask you to maybe send them uh, uh, images of the receipts for that particular item. Uh, and you know people you know there are some things like you said it's in the gray area. The biggest one of the biggest things is uh, you know uh, everybody knows that the IRS is stretched thin. Uh, the, there are only about one and a half percent of of business owners that are audited every year. So a lot of people will take chances. Like I say, sometimes they need that tax preparer to make sure he talks them off the ledge if they get too crazy with it. Uh, you know, I like to pay the I like to pay the least amount of tax that I can pay for the amount of money that I'm making. Uh, but then I'll do you know I'll do some things there to to make sure that if uh, we've got a uh, if we got a vacation or something I'll make sure that I'll I may do something for a couple of days on that vacation to make part of it tax deductible this has to do with the business and and it can be as simple as taking all of your taking your your uh, accounting with you and spend a couple hours every day doing accounting while you're on vacation you are doing part of your business I mean that is legitimate uh, you know and and but you don't you can't do that if you're going out of the country or anything like that it has to be you know but it would also bring up a red flag possibly so you have to consider that because uh, so many people do try to try to cheat everybody I I, I hear people all the time in truck stops say they've never paid any had to pay any taxes they've got the best tax preparer in the world he never they never had to well, there's only two ways you're not going to pay some tax. You're either not making money or you're cheating a whole lot. And so I I really don't want to be in either category there. I want to I wanna make a lot of money because when i'm out here i want to be making money and uh and i want to pay as little tax on that as i can but there are other ways you can do it you know uh you know 401k if you're you know you can do a, you can uh you can do a keo or you can do a matching individual 401k there's so many ways you can reduce your taxes that are that are not doesn't have anything to do with uh cheating
2: so we talked about benchmarking, <clears throat> I think, uh, to sort of wind this thing down a little bit. I think probably the most important number, uh, other than the profit and loss number, uh, but but the thing that keep and score provides you, and, and and this is a big one, is what we call CPM or cost per mile, yep. uh, because if you don't know that, you have no way of effectively operating your business because you don't know what it costs you to operate your business. I promise you, if you go into a McDonald's and you get the manager aside and you ask him how much a packet of ketchup costs, he will tell you to the, you know, to the fraction of a cent, what that costs. You get a truck driver side in a truck stop, and ask him what his cost per mile is. And he ain't got a clue, but yet they're both running businesses. So, the the lesson here is that if you don't know your cost per mile how in the world do you know whether or not you can take a load and make any money you know how do you know if you if you know if 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 your operation is is profitable or if it's losing money and so at the end of the day all these numbers are going to go together and, and 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 probably in my, again my my opinion the, the, the most important number you're going to get from your accounting system, as often as you keep it updated, is going to be what your cost per mile to operate your truck is. Uh, talk to me, Steve, about cost per mile and, and tell me how you would figure yours and, 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 and how, what you think about how important that number is.
1: Yeah, it's very important. I mean, on the expense side, we we have like 19 categories that we have everything in. Now, in those categories, you're going to have things under it. If you got fuel, you may uh, if you have an emission engine, you may have uh, another category subcategory. Death, you know, diesel exhaust fluid. Uh, you may have your oil your, and your your coolant and other other things that you add into the engine. You can have all those under under one item. But what I want to know is is what is my cost per mile? Fuel—that's the main one—but you can add all those together, and you want you you a benchmark there. You want to kind of know what the average is in the industry, Uh, and most people know you. You can ask if you 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 see the people on like the nine-plus MPG club that are really really good at fuel economy—they're down in the in the low in the mid twenties on their fuel costs per mile. Yeah, I'm in the mid thirties. Uh, my, you know, like I say, it's a, it's a, I got 1.8 million miles on her, but I get about seven and a half miles to the gallon. It's, it's very good. Like I say for a $10,000 truck. Uh, but that's a good one for me last year. Like I say, my, uh, had the in frame last year and mine was, my maintenance was at 19 cent a mile last year. I'm hoping to get out for 12 this year, but when you add everything together uh, you got, you know, you've got several things that uh, tolls that are going to be fairly large. Our fixed costs at Landstar, as you well know, aren't all that great unless you have a truck with a, uh, you know, a, with a very expensive truck that has, you know, a high value for the physical damage uh, premium. But you know, I, with with me, it's just it's the biggest thing we got, as you well know, is our our uh, workman's comp and but you you have all your fixed costs but once you get you divide everything every category by the number of miles you ran that year And that's all miles so the great thing about the program that we use is the one i use is is you put your odometer reading in at the, at the first of every month into the into the program and it figures your your costs every it figures all of your costs as a cost per mile and as a as a percentage of your revenue so all of your expenses as a percentage of revenue uh, you know I, I, I divvy up all of our different revenues line haul fuel surcharge you know lumper fees that I get coming in detention anything like that I separate those I know what you know I'll have that figure but you, by having those figures, you come down to a figure where you can say, "Am I better off driving this truck, or am I better off going back and finding a great company job?" Because there are an awful lot of people if they look at that number, they probably would be better off going back and, and buy and and going to a good company job. I mean, I can, uh, yeah, if I ever wanted to go, back, I never want to. If I, but if I ever wanted to go back, I could, I could go to ten places right now and make eighty thousand dollars a year as a company driver. I don't want to do it again but I make better than that but I also have a lot better time off because I control schedule here those are the pluses of us being having the freedom of being owner operators but if you don't know your numbers or if you see your numbers and they're really really bad some people I actually counsel a lot of people and they probably need to go back and get a great company job for a period of time and definitely save money and if they want to try it again later Least be in a better place financially with their personal finances, save some money uh, because uh, a lot of people are uh, when 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 like you said, when it gets to the bottom line, they have no idea how much that they are making.
2: Well, and of course, you know, the that the, the horrible thing that we uh, deal with in this industry with the lease purchase, um, you know, those poor guys, They if they knew what their cost per mile was. And they saw their revenue, and they realized that they're making less per mile than the company drivers in the same company were. They wouldn't think that that's such a great idea. But you know, the, 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 these fleets they they function on the assumption that you're not going to know your cost per mile because most people don't. And so uh, you know, we talk about business being a process of minimizing risk. Uh, there's no better minimization of risk for a large fleet than to have a a, a, a lease purchase guy. Because he's taking all the risk, and uh, the fleet now has no risk. And now the guy's making actually less than the company drivers. So, cost per mile is very important. It's very important if you're considering becoming an owner operator that you know that. Because if you can't make more than you're making as a company driver, why would you want to do this? The privilege of having a truck? Uh, if you are an owner-operator and you don't know your cost per mile, how do you know if you're making any money? How do you know if you're doing the right load selection? How do you know if you're sitting for two or three days because you think you've got to have a load that pays 3 bucks a mile? When if you knew your cost per mile, you could take a load for $1.95 or ninety-five or two twenty-five and keep moving and still make money. So uh, the, all this keeping score, all this accounting, all this bookkeeping we talked about – it, it serves two people. It serves you know the, the your tax accountant so that you can file your taxes and it lets you know whether or not the business that you're running is worthy of your time or or if it really needs work or maybe you should consider doing something else. So I think we probably uh, have covered this now, Steve, I want to just say a couple of things. I want to remind people, you know the name of our of my business is Blue Ribbon Logistical Solutions. and you know we've got some uh, plans in the future. Uh, to provide some solutions for owner operators, and, and and one of those solutions that we that we intend to provide is help in this area of accounting because it is such a a hard thing for a lot of people to do. Uh, you know, uh, some people think they don't have the time to do it, they don't have the expertise to do it, but they don't uh, really have someone who knows the industry uh, that they can they can go to because, believe me, when you say accountant. Or, uh, you know, that that's like saying realtor, you know, uh, every real estate agent is not a realtor. Every tax preparer is not an accountant. Every accountant is not a CPA. So, you know, you you can't just go get one, get somebody that has this title after their name and assume that they have any idea what they're doing. You know, you have to shop for that just like you do anything else. Um, but my recommendation is you get someone who is at least an accountant, if not a CPA, And that they have extensive experience in the trucking industry because there are things about our industry that are specific to just this industry, like per diem, that that if they weren't in uh, in the trucking industry, they would would probably not know and would do it wrong. And so, um, you know, uh, the reason I say this is because we are going to consider uh, offering some of these uh, types of solutions uh, down the road uh for you know obviously people who are uh who are in our uh listening audience here and who want to participate in in some of these things so we've got some announcements coming down the road uh, about some solutions that be one of them and uh I just want to take this uh, time to to thank you Steve for coming on tonight and bringing your expertise uh Steve and I have talked and he wants to be a part of that that solution thing when it does happen. And, uh, you know, and and he's got a lot of expertise and, and a ton of experience in the trucking business. And and uh, I think he's going to be a great asset when we start to uh, go down that path. Uh, so, Steve, I want to again thank you and uh, and wish you good night. And we'll uh, we'll do this again sometime. OK,
1: yes, we will. And, uh, and and like I say, Larry, I think what you're doing here, helping to helping to educate people in the business uh, it is you know you Chris uh, it is it uh, is really very helpful there's never enough education to be gotten out here and especially in our industry like I say before in the past it's always been either Kevin Rutherford or nobody and but they need to hear it and they need to hear it from a variety of different people so I uh, just want to thank you uh, for having me on tonight and also I uh, just want to you know, thank you for, for the hard work y'all are doing in uh, helping to educate people and help, helping to edu- in your business model to help educate your people that that are that are that are part of your associates. So, and we appreciate it. Well, thank you, Steve.
0: I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I did. I really wish I would have had those guys a few years ago to set me down and explain a lot of this stuff to me. It would have certainly saved me a lot of heartache and frustration. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. If you'd like to reach out to us, our email addresses are larry at com and chris at com. You can find us on social media, facebook.com slash Logistics and facebook.com slash anamericantruckdriver. Remember, we also have a hotline, 413-24-TRUCK, 413-248-7825. You can leave a voicemail there or send us a text and let us know what you'd like to hear on the show. That's all for this episode. Remember to be safe and always try to see the opportunity.